Hello and welcome to the Artsy Editorial Podcast number three. We're back, the same place, Artsy's offices in downtown Manhattan, and with the same people, Deputy Editor Alex Forbes. Hey, Isaac. And Senior Editor Tess Thackra. Hello. So how is everyone feeling? Are we are we all recovered from our various trips? Alex, you were in Hong Kong recently. I know that that's like a brutal jet lag to get over. It's a brutal jet lag. It was worse when I was there. I think I never really got on the time schedule, so coming back wasn't nearly as bad. Yeah. I've never taken a trip that long, so I can only imagine. Like, England sets me back for, for like, a week. Yeah, it wasn't so bad this time because there was only four hours yeah. difference. And Tess, you were on Monocle Radio since I was. I here? dropped into the Monocle office, which was fun. Uh, in London, right? In London. Cool. Saw a few shows, ate fish and chips, hung out at some pubs. Perfect. Was, was the artsy podcast prep, you know, really, really important for that radio appearance? There's yes, a correct answer. Very yes. That was it. Training. That was the right answer. Okay, so on today's podcast, when the art world comes to town, our first subject will be San Francisco, California. It's a city that occupies the American consciousness right now, as an example, bar none, of economic and cultural change. Amid this sort of shifting culture, SF's heritage, its cultural heritage, the artists, the atmosphere is changing as rents rise, and big name East Coast Galleries plan moves to the city. What does this mean to the future of San Francisco? After that, Art Basel, one of, if not the most influential fair organization, announced an ambitious and potentially game-changing initiative to foster culture and collector bases in a select few key cities by partnering with them in sort of a lasting and meaningful way. Uh, We'll talk a bit about what we know about this announcement and what we hope to know. Uh, Now that Alex has gotten over his jet lag, hopefully we can also hear a little bit about Art Basel, Hong Kong. And lastly, of course, uh, we'll share where we'll be drinking white wine in the art world this weekend. So San Francisco is seeing some major players of the art world establishment opening in the city. Uh, Gagosian is going to be joining Pace, who's already there, along with a few other big names. In an article published last week on Artsy titled San Francisco Art World Innovates to Survive Tech Boom, George Philip Leboudre talks about, quote, the city's contemporary struggle, nurturing art, culture, and knowledge while weathering the dramatic change swept in by the tech economy. What does that change look like? The article points to rising rents, uh, San Francisco is the most expensive expensive rental market in the country, while Oakland across the bay is fourth. And artists obviously are not escaping the impact. Tess, you know, you've lived in San Francisco for a while. I was wondering if maybe you could bring some of your personal experience to bear on this issue. Yeah, so I lived in San Francisco for five years, uh, but I left two years ago, just to clarify. I'm right. based in New York now. But yeah, so I mean, the tech boom has famously exponentially increase the cost of living in San Francisco Um, and of course you know that puts a considerable strain on both the artists living in the city as well as the galleries and there have been a slew of galleries that have closed either they've been evicted or they've left because they can't sustain the rent so there's sort of been this ongoing question about whether or not the tech community can meaningfully convert into a new collector base in San Francisco to sort of offset some of these impacts that the gallery scene is feeling. And there does now seem to be some sign that that is really happening. I think, you know, Gagosian moving there indicates that clearly there is a very strong collector base. And the Minnesota Minnesota Street Project, which is this big arts complex. I think they have something like 25 artist studios, 10 gallery spaces, um, a non-profit space uh, has opened in the Dogpatch district of San Francisco. No idea where that, yeah. Or Do Re Mi, I think is the the new name for this 
area. Do re mi. It's sort of east of the mission. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Real um, estate rebrandings are always, like, strange. But, um, but yeah, so, so, so I think there are signs that the tech community and the art community are sort of teaming up and collaborating and innovating to, um, to keep the art scene alive. Well, I want to get there, but I just want to hop back for a second because before we talk about change and what's new, I think it's, we should run back and quickly talk about what San Francisco's art scene was historically like kind of pre-tech change. Tess, I'm going to have to defer to you again here. Like, how would you sort of characterize San Francisco's art scene? It's more like a grassrootsy sort of thing, yeah, not super it's, commercial. Yeah, it's a really strong, tight-knit, grassroots community, um, very pluralist. Uh, you know, obviously San Francisco has a, a really strong countercultural history. The San Francisco art scene has been historically very important for conceptual art, performance art, public art. Um, you know, it produced... The Mission School, Barry McGee, Jay DeFeo. I mean, there's so many artists mm -hmm. you can point to um, that have been hugely important. I mean, do you think that that is going to, and maybe you can touch on the Minnesota Street Project here. Is that, are those days over? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, the art community that I knew in San Francisco, when I lived there two years ago, they're all still there. Extremely committed, passionate and you know, I know several people running spaces in San Francisco that have been very successful about bringing members of the tech community onto their boards and getting them engaged with the local art scene. So I don't think it's you know the San Francisco art scene is not going anywhere. But it's it's going to be changing though, right? So I mean, what do we mean when we say going going anywhere? I'm just, I just think it's interesting because San Francisco is obviously changing so much. Is the art scene that was just going to move? Is it going to transform um, a little bit of both? Yeah, I mean, I think it's getting more international. You know, I think Jessica Silverman has done a lot to raise the city's profile, to bring collectors from other parts of the country to San Francisco, um, you know, t as patrons of her gallery and of other spaces around the city. Uh, and with spaces like Gagosian, you know, I think the art market there is, is going to get a bump, clearly, especially with new fairs. I think you said that Untitled's now mm -hmm. has an addition that's yeah, coming they just to the city. That recently. Well, and I don't think, like, looking across more, more globally outside of the specific San Francisco context, you know, when things change, when cities evolve, multiple things can exist at one point in time. So I would anticipate that some version of the local art scene will still exist while you know, maybe more high-profile international players like Gojin, Pace, etc., move to the city. I think it's a it's a catchy and, and nice rallying cry to say, oh, well, new people are coming in, so all the old people are getting screwed over. Um, but I think, you know, that historically things can kind of exist at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak to San Francisco specifically, except what I know coming out of there, because I've never lived there. But I know in, the, in, in New York, at least, I've talked to some people who are sort of experiencing uh, artists who are really having a hard time, at the very least, just getting commercial space, because rent is just too high, and they can't find studio space. And, and they're sort of aligning with other organizations, other groups, working class organizations who are trying to push through laws to protect uh, affordable housing. And I think it's interesting, because in San Francisco, there are some efforts being made, and maybe Tess, you can talk about Minnesota Street for a minute, um, being made by actually tech people to kind mm -hmm. of do, to create some space for artists to continue practicing in the city in a, in a relatively affordable way. Yeah, so the Minnesota Street Project was founded by the Rappaports, and they're a venture capitalist philanthropist couple 
who were very engaged with the arts and saw that there was a problem with galleries closing um, and wanted to do their bit to to boost the scene. It is a for-profit model, interestingly, Hmm. but they're planning just to break even, as I understand it. But they're offering below-market, below-market, spaces to artists and to galleries so turning a bit to the more markety side of the equation uh we kind of mentioned that big galleries like gogian are coming to san francisco opening up right across the street from sf moma sort of feels like there's kind of a connection there almost uh while pace has set up shop there two years ago in a former tesla showroom which is sort of interesting both i believe are taking a kind of techie focus i know paces showing tech technology kind of influence art. Alex, what do you think this says about the art market in San Francisco and and why are they heading there now of all times? Well, I think the, the art market in San Francisco is still fairly nascent. Um, I don't think it, it'd, be, it'd be hard pressed to find somebody in the art world that wouldn't still you know, categorize it as such. People have been for the last five years or maybe even a little bit longer, very, very interested in trying to capitalize on the growth of the economy in the tech sector. And tech people have been relatively hard to crack as collectors. I think it's it's an interesting problem because the tech culture doesn't necessarily have that same kind of status economy that, you know, the finance culture or, or other industries have and, and that thrive that drives, you know, the greatest art market in the world in New York City. And so to get technology entrepreneurs to see the inherent value in art or maybe the social value in art even more importantly in terms of you know dealers being successful is a is an uphill battle do we think like the strategy of showing technology people technology-based art is like makes sense it sort of feels like hey you like tech maybe you'll like some like vr art or do you think that there's more room to sort of is that sort of a first step in kind of fostering a collector base there i think a lot of the technology inspired art is is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of getting people into a gallery for the first time, it's, it's a great way of nurturing that relationship to art. You know, historically, I think people have, requ- have responded most enthusiastically to art that somehow speaks to the fabric of their day-to-day lives. So it, it, it makes sense as a strategy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, things will need to move beyond there over time. And one of the things that will be really important is just some kind of consistent educational initiatives, whether by the galleries or the museums or other entities, um, to bring forward a culture around art in San Francisco that's sustainable, um, both for the local art scene and for these larger galleries. And I think that's, you know, that's the piece where if it's done correctly, you know, as I was alluding to before, that would allow both scenes to kind of, you know, the, the rising tide rises all boats. Is this just the beginning of sort of a sea change in what in where galleries are going to be located on the west coast you know some are opening up in la will be some be more be in san francisco or is it kind of just going to slow and we're not going to see very much coming i mean and how will that kind of Um, change the scene i mean it feels like there's some real momentum i hate to say momentum in this election cycle (laughs) the big mo um (laughs) but uh but it feels like there's some real momentum and San Francisco also has a really high concentration of world-class institutions, especially for a city that's relatively small. I think the population is under a million still. And, you know, I think SF MoMA is set to be the biggest modern and contemporary museum in the country now. So I think that, you know, these developments are really promising and it's exciting to see where this will go. So on that 
positive note, let's also look at this new initiative coming out of Art Basel that also involves kind of a, the art market heading to cities. But it's not just the art market, as Alex Forbes is going to tell us in a minute. So towards the end of March, during its Hong Kong fair, Art Basel announced a new initiative, Art Basel Cities, through which they will create personalized programs that help promote cultural development in each of the cities they decide to partner with. Alex wrote a bit about this in a piece that ran a few weeks ago. And in that piece, you note that there's a lot of potential with this initiative, even if there aren't a ton of specifics right now. So the obvious place to begin is, what do we know about the program so far? So our Basel Cities was announced, as you said, during our Basel in Hong Kong. Um, they had done a lot of kind of cagey framing of a major new initiative was going to be announced. Nobody knew quite what it was going to be. This is what it was. Uh, it involves Patrick Ferre, who used to be running up their partnership with brands and sponsorship. Uh, he's now the head of business initiatives at Art Basel. And he'll be heading up the initiative uh, in collaboration with Mark Spiegler, the global director of Art Basel, to work with cities over a period of two to five years, uh, starting with a several month audit of the city's entire cultural programming as it stands currently. The idea is to create an art world in these cities as art has you know, expanded beyond its small bounds within global economic capitals to, to a much wider audience, and create an art world that will support the galleries and artists in the way that you know Art Basel tries to do with their fairs. What that means exactly remains to be seen. Um, there might be you know global summits of art world leaders. I think there's going to be a lot more kind of working directly with organizations in the com existing communities and just really bringing their their wealth of expertise and their track record of creating economic activity and most importantly opportunities for artists in each of these cities around the globe so does san francisco just because we were just talking about it seem potentially like a city that this could fit in i think it's a perfect example actually um and you know again they they have not announced which cities they're going to engage with we're not breaking any news here we're not we're not breaking any news here but for a number of reasons san francisco pr seems primed for an initiative like our basel cities number one it's very interested in pulling in the most uh the best talent out there in the world i mean the tech community is hungry for ever better developers and thinkers and entrepreneurs and it's been more or less proven that people want to live in exciting places around the globe and Culture is a major part of that. Tess, how would you feel about something like this coming to San Francisco? I mean, I feel like there's so much going on in the Bay Area already. I would be curious to see what Art Basel would bring to the city. I guess, Alex, I'm curious to know a bit more about how... Do you have a sense of how they're planning to work with local leaders on the ground and, and sort of what this will look like as a layer over what's already happening in a city. So what's, what's really interesting about this and where I think it's, it's fairly groundbreaking is they're not trying to take away from any funds that would be given to museums or arts organizations or what have you in a city. They're really looking to pull in from funds that would be allocated towards building a sports stadium or other kind of entertainment economy initiatives that a city might launch in hopes of uh, improving the city's economy and putting that towards culture. And so as part of this several-month audit at the beginning of the two- to five-year program, they're going to send in a, a 
panel of advisors and experts um, to meet with local art scene members, whether those are galleries, museum directors, etc., and city city members to meet with them and really come up with a plan that works for the city. It's not a copy and paste initiative. It's really looking at these people's expertise and, and for context, those include city planners, uh, major architects, museum director, major collector, etc. Yeah. Um, to come up with a city a plan that works for the cities themselves. I mean, I think it's interesting um, and can provide a case study to sort of look at the way Art Basel has changed or impacted some of the cities that it's already been in, both good and bad. So if you look at Miami, where there's Art Basel on Miami Beach, you know, there's there's definitely some concern that the fair is sort of focusing on big name outsiders and not the local art scene, even though there have been some there's been sort of a general kind of cultural boom there that I think some people would say couldn't have happened without Art Basel on Miami Beach. So, Alex, how do you sort of think about Art Basel impacting cities that it already exists in? Well, I think there's two points, um, both with Miami Beach and Hong Kong, that, that are really key to this. Um, specifically with regard to Miami Beach, during the one week that Art Basel drops in a year, it generates a half billion dollars of economic activity, mm-hmm. which is huge. Yeah. And for cities who are looking to expand their local economies, that's great. On the flip side, and, and I think, you know, ultimately for those of us in the art world who believe in the power of art and artists, the most important thing is that it fosters a widening of the art world that supports the structures that have long supported art and artists. If you look at an example like Hong Kong, we recently had a feature kind of charting the growth of the art scene, and that was certainly happening before Art Basel and Hong Kong launched, before they bought Art HK. But the way in which that catalyzed so many more galleries to move there and most importantly created a collecting base that was engaged with the art and not engaged necessarily with the economics of the art is really powerful. I think if you look at the past, you know, not this year, not last year, but the few years leading up to 2015 and the boom in emerging art and art as investment, I think educational initiatives like what will be a major part, I believe, of Art Basel City's programming really help to bring in collectors and educate people around art that's not, you know, art as an alternative asset class. It's not about winning and, and making money and making bets on young artists that, you know, prevail. It's about buying or engaging with things that, you know, speak to the most salient issues of our time. So... Uh, let's talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing this week in the art world and where we're going to be drinking white wine. Tess, what about you? What's on your agenda for this weekend? I will be drinking white wine at the Queen's Museum openings, wow. which I believe are this Sunday. One of the show's opening is about the Ramones and punk cool. art, which I'm very excited about. Nice. Were you a punk back in back in the day? Uh, I had a more of a skater phase That's than punk. a <laughs> punk phase. I'm imagining you on the streets of San Francisco, like skating. More out. like Camden Town skater vibes. Can, can we replace your author profile picture with a vintage? In a pair of Carhartts. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. All right, Should we're gonna that. hold you to that, Alex. What about you? Um, I think I'm going to take it pretty easy this week. On Monday night, I am headed off again to Art Cologne. So I'll be I'll be drinking some Riesling in the Rhineland next week. Uh, so it'll be a it'll be a quiet weekend for me. Cool. 
And I will be heading to PS1 to see the Xiao Fei exhibition. I've heard really good things about it all around. That's it for this week's podcast. Thanks very much to Tess and Alex for joining me here. Thanks to Joe Sykes, our very English, very helpful producer. And we got even more production help from Abigail Kane, our very competent intern. So thanks very much and see you next time.